Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi, everyone. Dean and Christopher here from the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. I'm joined today by Lorette Risk, graduate in our team. Hi, everyone. And today we're going to be going through jurisdictional errors, uh, specifically whether or not uh, the reasons why Cara's assessor can be found to be inadequate or adequate. We'll be running through three decisions from 2019 and 2020, IAG and McBlain, Widditz and AAI Limited trading as Amy, and then Gordian Runoff Limited and Ozarumba. The case notes for these are just under the link, so have a look at them in more detail. We'll run through them briefly. We'll start off with the obligations on an assessor to provide reasons, and for that I'll pass over to Lorette. Well, Section 94.5 of the Act says that an assessor's reasoning must be brief, but that does not mean they don't say anything at all. There is case law that requires reasons to be explained. In Wingfoot, it was found that an assessor's path of reasoning must have sufficient detail to enable a court to see whether their opinion does or does not involve an error of law. The Claims Assessment Guidelines, specifically Clause 18, also provide more guidance to assessors. The guidelines say that an assessor's statement of reasons must be brief. However, it must address the findings of material questions of fact. It must provide an understanding of the law. It should also include their reasoning process and an amount of damages, as well as the manner of how the assessor determined those damages. Yeah, and it's not just uh, Section 94, Subsection 5 that guides the assessor. There's also other parts of the Act, such as Section 126, which requires some things to be explained. So that's to do with awards of damages for future economic loss. So an assessor under nominal defendant and levier would have to set out the skills of the claimant, the work that they undertook immediately before the accident, the likelihood of continuing that work, the possibility of promotion, age of cessation, things like that. And even for awards of buffers, which, you know, their buffers are awarded when there's not enough really information to make an award or a specific award. Even for buffers, authorities such as Allianz and Sprod and IAG and Priestley, they require the assessor to, to make more generalised statements about the assumptions that underpin their award. So on the basis of that background, you know, what the assessor, that competing obligation of the assessor to be brief but also give adequate reasons, let's rip into these cases. Do you want to start off with Widdits? Yeah, well, in the case of Widdits, the assessor awarded buffers of 10000 and 30000 for future treatment expenses and future commercial care respectively. The claimant argued that the assessor failed to identify the reports which led him to his conclusion and also failed to explain why the claimant's medical opinions were rejected. The claimant also argued that the assessor's conclusions were inconsistent with his prior conclusions about her evidence. It was ultimately accepted that the conclusions reached by the assessor were legally unreasonable because they lacked a rational foundation, they were inconsistent with earlier findings, and the damages did not flow logically from the findings and the ongoing consequences had no intelligible justification. The assessor's decision was set aside and remitted back to zero. There you go. No intelligible justification. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a harsh rebuke from the court. Well, I'm going to talk about the matter of McBlain, which is a bit more simple. It was an award of a buffer of $85,000 for future earning capacity, or sorry, the loss of future earning capacity. 
And it was known that a significant issue between the parties was whether or not the claimant was entitled to any damages other than small amounts for past economic loss and past out-of-pocket expenses. The insurers submitted to the court that the assessor's reasons were bereft of the necessary findings and also failed to fulfil the Section 126 requirements. A justice, or the judge ultimately agreed and said that, you know, rather simply, the assessor didn't even make a finding of the injuries, let alone their nature and extent. So that's a pretty big omission of, you know, that's one of the main things you've got to find. So the assessor said things such as, given the nature of the claimant's injuries, but since there was no findings as to what those injuries were, there's really no adequate explanation as to what incapacity or disability arises to give rise to an award of damages. So that matter was referred to a different claims assessor for determination in accordance with law. What about Ozarumba, Lorraine? In the case of Ozarumba, buffers were also dealt with. The assessor awarded a buffer of $200,000 for future economic loss and he also awarded an amount for past economic loss in accordance with the claimant's schedule of past and future economic loss earnings. Schedules suggested that the claimant would have earned a certain amount of money had he worked night shifts and weekends with certain penalty rates, as well as earned some promotions in the future. The insurer in the matter led contrary evidence, suggesting that the claimant's schedule was untenable and completely unsupported. Notwithstanding the insurer's contentions, the assessor ended up accepting the claimant's projected loss of past earnings. Disturbingly, he actually provided no reasons for accepting the claimant's schedule whatsoever. His Honour, Justice Fagan, found that the assessor had no evidence to support his conclusions. And again, the assessor in this matter failed to provide adequate reasoning. Justice Fagan said it was an error of law for the claimant's assessor to operate on the unsupported premise that the claimant would have received a promotion and work night shifts and weekends when there was absolutely no evidence to that effect. Justice Fagan also said that the assessor's reasons manifestly failed to disclose a coherent, intelligible justification for his award. Again, we have unintelligible justification. The decision was set aside with respect to past economic loss and future economic loss only, and the matter was remitted back to Sira for assessment by another claim assessor. Yeah, so coherent, intelligible justification. That's come up twice now. Yeah, that's a common theme in the last two decisions. So if we were to summarise just four brief principles for everybody to have in mind when they review a CARS award and the reasons by an assessor, what do you think we'd start with? Well, an assessor's reasoning must be brief, and that's mandated by Section 94.5 of the Act. However, Clause 18 of the Claims Assessment Guidelines does provide the assessors with some specific requirements which need to be addressed. Yeah, and as we know, Wingfoot uh, requires the assessor to outline their path of reasoning and adequately explain their reasons, so uh, any reader can check if there's an error of law. Section 126 of the Act also provides obligations on assessors when awarding future economic loss. And assessors' reasons must be coherent and intelligibly justified. (laughs) And that means that they must follow from the conclusions made and be supported by the evidence. Well, that's it. Thanks a lot, Lorette. Thanks, everyone. I hope everyone has a good week. Next episode is episode 100. So big milestone here at the Proper Lookout podcast. Make sure you listen in next week. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Curwood's full team of specialists.